Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. So today we have a secret for you. Today we have an episode that, well, will reveal something that I think you will find both humorous and informational. Hang on, enjoy the ride. So today we're going to talk about the employee engagement secret. Everybody's talking about engagement. How do we get these employees to engage at work? It's the proverbial challenge that many organizations are facing amidst the great resignation, the great shuffle or the great reshuffle. And I'm going to give you a, well, an answer, a solution, something that will help you keep employees not only engaged, but on your team. How do you prevent good people from leaving your organization? That's what you're going to get. That's the secret that I'm going to reveal as you experience this episode. Now, if you haven't done so, subscribe to this podcast so that you get notified Every time I drop something new into the thoughtmosphere, don't you love that? The thoughtmosphere. We know the atmosphere, but today we're going to explore the thoughtmosphere. So, three distinctive individuals can exist in a typical organization. And most often it's based on activity, attitude, and their contribution to the collective work. And these individuals rarely identify themselves as one or another, yet you'll notice, you'll be able to see that all three of these identities persist organizationally. I mean, they don't wear t-shirts for identification, but you will recognize each one once I give you the description. And here's what's ironic. Isn't it ironic? that most organizations never discuss or acknowledge the separation of these identity groups and self-examination in a candid workforce will help it'll help you discover where most of your team members fall within this analysis so let's go with number 1 one specific identity group is called seaweed and yes you heard me right seaweed And just as seaweed does in nature, these individuals move with the current. They go with the flow. They exert nothing positive or influential and offer little to no resistance to either positive or negative situations within your organization. In other words, they do not rock the boat. They come to work and do the job they get paid to perform. Now, Seaweed is necessary. You need seaweed in your organization because they provide the bulk of effort to get things done. No fanfare or exciting changes result from the daily grind they deliver. You can call them the Honda Accord or the Toyota Camry for the organization. Nothing fancy, but often very dependable. Their mediocrity humbles them. And being risk-averse they will rarely speak up, even in the face of organizational failure. That's right. Your organization can be on the way to failure, and they're not going to speak up because they're not engaged. 
their seaweed. They go with the flow. And just like sheep, they will move in whatever direction they get pushed. So remember, that's the first identity group, seaweed. I'm going to tell you what to do about all these at the end, but remember, I'm going to give you three identity groups that I'm going to talk about the secret. So don't miss the ending. Stay with me. Another identity group for your organization is the cave people. And the word cave is an acronym for, well, you might find this humorous, citizens against virtually everything. (laughs) Cave people are citizens against virtually everything. And these individuals never get excited about anything and resist changing or improving your organization. Nothing the organization does will ever satisfy this population's preoccupation with negative or negativity. They actually wallow in the muck of cynicism. They are the eternal pessimists that never see a positive outcome. Their half-empty perspective about everything the organization attempts is much more than just being the devil's advocate. This group seems to relish and actually enjoy the organization's perpetual and eventual failure to prove the same negative sentiment is accurate. They are likely bitter and distrustful. They don't trust the organization. They don't trust leadership. They don't trust anyone. And they usually carry a bitter, bitter taste in their mouths. They have a contemptuous attitude that others recognize but do not understand. Why is Nancy so negative? Hmm. And these people, well, they're your complainers. This tendency to complain is not a constructive criticism by any means. They complain in the face of anything positive the organization attempts. They will, well, they will even, they they will never work to improve things. Nothing will ever work to make things better. Nothing will ever work to improve the reality that they see every day. They think we are all doomed to inevitable and eventual failure. If given a crisp $50 bill, the cave people would complain because they did not receive two twenties and a 10. There is no good in the world of work. (laughs) Do you know people like this? I'm going to guarantee that somebody was on your mind. As I described the cave people, you saw a face. You saw someone as I made the description. And if you didn't see anyone, do you know what that possibly means? (laughs) Maybe you're the cave person. The third identity group, I promised you three. The third identity group is the leaders of the organization. And with or without a title. Remember, leadership doesn't require a title. Leadership is something that's given to you from the followers. So with or without a title, these people influence those around them. Remember, you cannot have a credible definition 
of leadership, in my opinion, without the word influence in it. Influence is the very essence of leadership. And these people have most likely been influential their entire, their entire lives. People follow their lead. Others look to them to determine a response. They are the kids in high school that others want to be. Some may despise them, but they always want to be accepted among them. They are those that make things happen in your organization, whether it is good or bad. And you know that gaining buy-in from this team is imperative to whatever success your organization desires or whatever initiative or project your organization is working on. So, the key to organizational success involves two simple ideas. Gaining the support of the leaders, this third identity group, is not only important, it is necessary. And there are techniques that you can learn to influence and leverage the leadership group. And assigning them to project teams by facilitating their buy-in is very important. Organizations may also constructively coerce these individuals to gain support. But be careful. Be careful. It takes particular skill and technique. And by the way, your supervisors can learn this to keep this coercive activity from coming across as a threat. You can call it nudge theory. You can call it behavioral economics. But there are ways that your supervisors can learn to gain the support of these leaders in your organization. And here's the key. Either way, whether they're leading in a good sense or leading in a negative sense, working to gain their support is critical to organizational change or improvement. You've got to get the leaders buy-in. They are influential. I remember one time when I was working in corporate America, I was asked to put together a team, and I intentionally picked someone who I knew was a leader, even though he tended to be uh, leading against the grain of the organization. And I was able to get him to become a supporter of the positive initiative that we were taking with that company. And the most neglected. So let's think about these three identity groups. The most neglected identity group for success is the seaweed population. In fact, these individuals have been driven into the apathetic perspective and are like a seed, a tiny seed that is waiting to get sown. They are like latent leaders waiting for a spark to re-engage for the organization. And I don't want you to ever ignore the potential or the effort required to engage some of these seaweed people. They can be inspired. They can be resurrected. They can become significant for your team. And some may be the, the sleeping giant that was put to rest by a dysfunctional management team of the past. That's right. Some people disengage because of poor leadership in the past. They come to work and they do their job. People can become apathetic and lose engagement for many reasons. I mean, two examples are managers who do not listen. If you don't listen to people, you will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. Or they, well, you have the managers who view correctable issues as complaints. 
I mean, I worked with one team that, you know, the boss, every time someone brought up an idea, the boss's response was, what are they complaining about? So this lack of leadership works like a sleeping pill and causes potential leaders to become tranquilized within the organization. Bad managers walk around your organization and shoot people with poisonous darts, turning them into seaweed. Poof. There's some more seaweed. And while present for the organization, the seaweed's contribution is minimal. In other words, they do the bare minimum and their enthusiasm is non-existent. And here's the powerful, here's the tragedy. You do not get discretionary effort from seaweed on your team. Think about it. People get paid for required effort. People will often put out required effort. They know that it's necessary for them to retain their job. But it takes something special to get discretionary effort from people. And it takes some skills to get discretionary effort from the seaweed on your team. Now let's talk about what all this means. The pandemic and work from home has accelerated the current employee engagement problem. This, it's already existed, folks. We were talking about employee engagement prior to COVID-19. And when you blame employees for quitting in mass numbers, you are the problem. It is not your people or the generation. It's your opportunity to change. And hear this clearly. It's always your fault as the leader. It's always your fault. And I constantly hear executives gripe and complain about generational differences, about attendance, and about engagement. And here's my typical response. Good. Now do something about it, because complaining will not solve your problem. I'm going to be candid. When you hire or promote mediocre or poorly trained supervisors into your workforce, you get what you damn well deserve. It's like hiring a lousy coach and expecting the team to win. Everything your organization desires starts with suitable supervisors who can get the seaweed to engage. And the hidden epidemic is inadequate supervision in the workplace. Think about that for a moment. They're the face of management to the population that you employ, and they're mediocre at best. I mean, you work hard to offset this. You create catchy value statements in the boardroom. You make amazing videos about your culture, and you espouse this fantastic organization. <sighs> Meanwhile, your employees see a different reality. And I watched an interesting show about the cruise ship industry. Did you know there's a, there's a main hallway that goes the entire length of a cruise ship that passengers, guests never see? It's so that they can get things quickly. They call it, it's like an interstate hallway that goes for the entire length of the ship so they can move really quickly on the ship from place to place. So just like hotels and cruise ships have areas never seen by the customers, your employees see the dirty parts of your organization. 
and worse. Here's what's so tragic about this. They know you're hiding it. You're hiding the dirt in your organization that they see every day, whether you're doing it intentionally or not. And when I engage with companies to assess culture, engagement, or morale, check this out. I asked to see the restrooms frontline employees must use. And as you can probably guess, this simple observation discloses everything I need to know about the employee engagement problems. If you expect people to do what comes naturally to us as humans in a condition of filth or nastiness, it says everything about what your employees see in your organization. I mean, think of it this way. If Bucky's can keep their restroom clean, if airports can keep their restrooms clean, you can too. It just requires a choice. Now, there are other simple diagnostics I use as well, but that's not the point of this podcast episode. So take a moment to consider your frontline supervisors. A recent study of 8,000 managers, get this, stated that 67%, two-thirds, preferred giving negative feedback over positive feedback. Can you believe that? And when asked why, check this answer out. When asked why, they said it felt awkward or uncomfortable giving positive feedback. And the other answer was that they didn't know how to provide positive feedback. I mean, I I teach two primary methods of delivering feedback. One is very simple. One is a little bit more complicated for really difficult conversations. These are skills any supervisor can learn. They, They have to deploy them, but they can learn them. And, you know, frontline supervisors are the, often the most important and most neglected population in an organization. And to make matters worse, you know you've seen this, to make matters worse, they are selected for job skills rather than leadership ability most of the time. That's right. I've called it the super operator in my books. We take the person who's good at operating the machine and make her the supervisor of those who operate the machine. We don't even check to see if she's got leadership ability. Tragic. So I want you to think about the potential for your team if more of your seaweed could become engaged or better yet, re-engaged. I mean, you get what you desire by hiring, training, and equipping the right people to do the job. And this is what I want you to remember. When you settle for mediocrity at the supervisor level of an organization, seaweed begins to grow. And this very seaweed that's growing in your organization gets harvested from your team by other organizations. Hmm. Too much, too hard, too straightforward. I hope you got something valuable out of this episode. If you want to engage with me at a deeper level, you can reach me at www.johngrubbs.com. That's 
J-O-H-N-G-R-U-B-B-S dot com. If you go there, I will give you a free gift. That's right. If you go there, I will give you a free gift because you just gave me the most precious gift one human can give another, and that is your time. And in response to you giving me that gift, I will give you a gift in return. You can download a copy of one of my leadership books. Uh, this book sells for 20 bucks on Amazon. You can have it for free. You can download it as a PDF or as a Mobi file. And it's just my way of saying thank you for being a loyal listener of this podcast. Uh, you can also have access to uh, my newsletter that I send out once a week. You can watch tons of videos that I have on YouTube. There's just a lot of information at johngrubs.com. You can even sign up to be part of my inner tribe. There's a section of my website where I share content that people pay me, in some cases, significantly for. You can have access to that information just by joining my tribe. You know, this podcast is for crazy people. Crazy people get things done. Crazy people move against the grain. Crazy people do things others are afraid to do. This podcast is for people crazy enough to win. Until next time.